Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Samuel Arora. And a very warm welcome to all of our viewers on Pitch the Podium and every single one of our listeners on the Inside Line Formula One podcast as well. So this weekend, Formula One comes back home to Silverstone, the place where it hosted its first ever Grand Prix. And there's a lot of drama going to happen right there. But before we get to previewing that one, I've got Kunal Chia here with me. And Kunal, we are getting so many things on Pitch the Podium lately. I know, it's been so much fun. I've, I've absolutely loved doing the working in F1 series you know, we had Mark Sutton uh, over several videos, uh, you know, talking about F1 photography. We had my former colleague and, uh, you know, friend William Ponisi, who's the head of, uh, you know, media and communications at uh, Alfa Romeo Racing. He came and explained what it takes to actually work for a Formula One team within media and communications. And I know we have a lot more planned and in store sawmill. Absolutely. There's a lot more coming. And we're also going to have Alex Lynn being interviewed on this channel as well. So that's a preview for the Formula E season. But let's get down to Formula 1 because there's a lot going to happen at the Silverstone circuit. It's a track we all love. It's a track we all know. Very fast, very flowing. And the racing in the past has been quite entertaining. But you know, heading into this race, there's a feeling that there are a lot of many things to look forward to. With certain teams struggling, certain teams doing well. What are your particular preview points as we head towards the... 70th, in fact, the 70th Silverstone Grand Prix, British Grand Prix. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. But Samuel, I'm going to actually just before we get to the 70th British Grand Prix and talking about it, there are two things that I'm going to talk about. First is, I'm sure you remember this time last year, you and I co-hosted a fan meet, you know, for Formula One uh, fans in Mumbai, and we had a really good did, race. Yeah. Thankfully, we had a lovely interaction after the race. Absolutely. No, that was quite fun. We pre- we actually discussed and reviewed the entire Formula One season. Up to that point. And that was quite entertaining. And yes. we didn't know what was going to happen next. But again, <laughs> Hamilton steamrolled away past. But I, I, I remember we actually did the review of the season and the race, which was longer than the duration of the race. That's how much fun we were all having. Exactly. And that was particularly a very rainy July day. When the Cricket World Cup final was going on, when the Wimbledon final were going on, was going on, my apologies. And people still stuck behind and waited. So that just shows the impact that Formula 1 can have on people in the end. Yes, and the good news, the second point that I'm going to talk about is the fact that we're going to have three more races uh, in 2021. and Sorry, in 2020. And, you know, to me, uh, it's just so awesome that from literally having no calendar in 2020, we're now going to have what seems like the most awesome calendar in 2020. Exactly. I'm pretty excited with the races being added to the calendar. Exactly. It's a proper hardcore sports car circus. You think of Imola, you think of Michael Schumacher and Fernando Alonso in 2005. You think of something else as well, but that's, that's a bit of a sad thing to speak about. But then again, you also think of Nürburgring, fantastic GP circuit, hosted a whole lot of Formula 1 races back in the day. And now we're coming to the first time to the Algarve circuit in Portimao. And 
say what you want. Uh, it, it may look a bit dull to drive on the simulator, but when you actually go and do that, that's what, at least what the people who have driven there say. It's a stunning circuit. Lots of undulations, lots of elevation changes, cambered corners, quick ones. And apparently, Kunal, the last corner, the long sweeping right-hander, it, people say that it has the potential to rip the necks off Formula 1 drivers. It's going to be damn interesting because, you know, drivers have been saying the same thing for Mugello as well. You know, fast, high-speed flowing corners. And for me, Portimao and, uh, you know, the most important thing is that the data quality that teams would have about the circuit mm. would be fairly yeah. poor. And, you know, I have I kept saying this and I'll repeat myself that, you know, when teams are inefficient in Formula 1, that's when we have some really cracking races. So I'm, exactly. I'm all for it. So, Absolutely. okay, now we get to the, the British Grand Prix, okay, and uh, the five points that uh, Somil and I will discuss over the next 20 odd minutes or, or longer if you're still having fun. <laughs> um, you know, we are, we are definitely going to discuss Mercedes because, uh, you know, the question is not are they going to be dominant. The question now has to be flipped to asking how far ahead will they be of the competition. That's, that's the key question. Uh, then we'll talk of the battle of P2. Uh, you know, it's a battle for P2 when it comes to the team. So I'm expecting Red Bull, Racing Point and maybe even McLaren uh, to be there. And then the, the question that we are pretty much going to ask for all the races in 2020, Sommel, is if Max Verstappen can challenge either of the Mercedes drivers for P2, right? Then uh, since Ferrari is still not come up in discussions, the third point is going to be, you know, how far back will Ferrari be? You know, it comes to Silverstone. Let's remember it's a, it's a high-speed, uh, you know, fast-flowing corners circuit configuration. It's very different to Austria and Hungary that we've had. And this is when I expect not just Ferrari, but even Ferrari-powered teams to sort of end up, you know, struggling there. The fourth point uh, is going to be the Renault versus Racing Point protest. We expect an update, uh, you know, before uh, we, we resume official sessions, uh, you know, in Silverstone. And then, you know, there's this rumored thing about, you know, Sebastian Vettel and Aston Martin, Aston Martin making an announcement before 31st of July. So we'll see how true that rumor stands. And then, Somil, I know this is the one part that uh, everyone's waiting to see how, how well will the British drivers fare at their home circuit. We've got the likes of, you know, George Russell. Can he get into Q2? We've got Alexander Albin. Can he actually be closer to and challenging Max Verstappen? Uh, and then, of course, we've got Lando Norris, everyone's favorite. And, and not to mention just how dominant Lewis Hamilton has been here. So, over to you, Samuel. Right. There's a lot to speak about. But we'll start with the dominant team. It's, it's Mercedes. As you mentioned, Kunal, it's not even a question about are they going to win here. That, that's for certain. Unless something major happens, you're not going to see Mercedes go out and lose this race. But the big question over here is how far ahead will they be? Because Racing Point... With last year's Mercedes, if you'd like to call it, they are still there or thereabouts, but they're not exactly completely challenging Mercedes on a regular basis. The same goes for Red Bull as well. So, how far ahead do you expect them to be? And in that battle between Hamilton and Bottas, you see last year at Silverstone, Bottas got pole position, but Hamilton trumped him in the race by around 25 seconds and scored a fastest lap on the very last lap on the race of on hard tyres. That, that's how dominant Lewis Hamilton is on the circuit. So, What's going to happen? How do you expect things to play out in Silverstone? You know, it, all, all that will matter, you know, when it comes to the Mercedes story is, of course, like you said, how far ahead will they be? Uh, I don't see them being challenged in qualifying per se. 
But, you know, when it comes to Valtteri Bottas, the question is, will we see aggression like we have seen him, uh, you know, in the first three races? Or will we see frustration, right? And those are the two key things that, you know, we'll end up uh, noticing about Valtteri Bottas. Let's also remember he's been very vocal, uh, you know, in 2020 about the shortcomings around him. Like, you know, uh, he ended up talking of uh, how in Hungary um, he was fueled to go for two laps. So he was actually carrying... Uh, you know, in qualifying, he was carrying an extra lap's worth of fuel. And maybe that's what cost him the 10th or 2 to Lewis Hamilton for pole position. And he's actually going out and expressing this to the media, which is, by the way, just very not Nordic, if I may, you know, add. Uh, you know, so he's, he's making sure that it's publicly known that he is doing his best. But there are lots of things that also need to fall in place apart from him just nailing each lap. Absolutely. Again, classic racing driver excuses. If you can't, if you can't find one thing, you just go and find the other. But that aside, it is safe to say that Bottas has been doing quite a decent job since the 2020 season has started. But again, as you mentioned, it's all about taking your A-game to Lewis Hamilton. And when you enter this mid-part of the season, now, we, we don't know how long the season is going to be in the end. 13 races is what they say. But when you come into, say, race number four as well, that, race number four and five for these next couple of weekends, that's going to be a critical part of the season. So Bottas, again, usually this is where he struggled. And this is where he can actually bring his A-game to the table and see what happens in the end. Yeah, and you know, like you mentioned, he was on pole last year. So he, he does have the pace. He does know how to get it on pole again. But, you know, of course, you know, racing is where, races are, are where the points are scored. And there are, what, 52 points up for grabs over the next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, seven days. And this will, you know, define which way the championship will swing in 2020. Because if Lewis does pounce ahead and add on to his, uh, you know, uh, add on to his points gap, it might just get that much more difficult for Valtteri to strike back. So, lot to play out for. And of course, you know, I know it's a triple header, but just saying that, you know, Silverstone is where Lewis has been so strong that two back-to-back races could just sort of swing the whole momentum towards Lewis Hamilton even more so. Absolutely. I was hearing Rob Smedley speak the other day. And Rob Smedley clearly said that when you have a special talent like Fernando Alonso or Lewis Hamilton in your team, you can be faster. On an absolute level, you can pull out certain laps in qualifying or just get better stints in races. But doing that over the course of a 21-race calendar, which in this case is a 13-race calendar now, that's the real problem. That's where you can actually struggle to beat someone like Hamilton or Alonso. Superb talents in the end. And we're going to see Alonso coming back next year as well. But Hamilton, that's where the key focus for the entire paddock is. But what happens later down the field? Because that's Formula 1 settled. Let's move to Formula 1.25. That's, that's the <laughs> battle for P2 right now. And nobody knows. That, that's the best part that we love all about. Nobody knows who's actually going to be in second. Is, is it going to be the Red Bulls? Is it going to be the big Mercedes? Or could McLaren have something in the bank? We've seen them be good. But are they quite there to fight for podiums on a regular basis yet? Or is it just that's a once-in-a-blue-moon occasion for them? You know, it's, it's good you classify it as 1.25 because I know that there is Formula 1.5 to follow as well. And honestly, the battle for P2, whether it's in the team's championship or the driver's championship, has been and will be our main saving grace for 2020. And when I say saving grace, I mean that, of course, I'm, I'm really pleased to see what Mercedes is able to do and how well they are still able to dominate 
And, you know, if Valtteri gets his first or Lewis gets his seventh, doesn't really matter. But we are seeing history in the making in every way. But for all those who tune in for the entertainment, for the racing, for the competition, you know, it's, it's happening feet two and lower than that. And, you know, I would love to see uh, the pink Mercedes uh, cars challenge Red Bull Racing. Okay. I mean, we've never seen a Lance Stroll versus Max Verstappen, but maybe if that happens, why not? It seems really odd, uh, a battle to follow. And, uh, you know, you mentioned McLaren home race for them. Uh, we saw that the tight and twisty uh, Hungaro ring didn't really suit their package uh, as well as, say, Austria did. So let's wait to see how well they do in the fast and flowy, uh, you know, Silverstone circuit. And, you know, Lando Norris being British, I'm sure... He'll have a few more horsepower in his car just by knowing that he's racing at home. Absolutely. But sadly, no British fans to watch the race this time out. It's, it's always great to see everyone coming up to the camping sites and supporting their favorite drivers. Sometimes they're British, sometimes they're not. But again, it's good to see the passion for the sport flowing in through. But my, my main query surrounds Max Verstappen. Now, he's, there's a term in Hindi called Kabab Mehadi. That's what he's been like for... For Mercedes, if, if you don't know what that means, it's just like a piece of bone in a in a roll of chicken, in a boneless roll of chicken. That's what he's been like for Mercedes. He's been there. He's pulled out some outrageous performances in the bag, not only this year but for the last couple of years as well. Now, Hungary was a bit different. We we saw Bottas having that terrible start and Verstappen capitalizing on everything. But on raw pace, it does seem like Mercedes have a clear upper hand. But you do often see Super Max coming up with some tricks in his bag. So what can he pull out over here? We've saw last year he was quite aggressive. No, I mean, honestly, it's, uh, you know, Max has been in in, in P2 in the races where Mercedes have had an issue. Okay, like you said, Bottas, uh, uh, you know, had had a faulty start uh, in Hungary and then Hamilton had his penalty and the likes. Of course, I know Max didn't make it to P2 then and, you know, so on. But the point is, you know, we are yet to see a race where, you know, Mercedes is outright dominating the field, much as we know that they have the pace. So, uh, you know, the second race in uh, Austria was, uh, you know, qualifying was rain impacted. So again, we didn't really see them pull off uh, what what their, you know, the, 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 the might of their cars is. So, uh, you know, Max is the only hope we have if he wants to sort of spice up uh, uh, you know, the, the driver's uh, championship in Formula 1 in 2020. Otherwise, it's pretty much going to just be, you know, a battle between uh, the two Mercedes drivers and, you know, them them finishing first and second. And, you know, seven or eight points is the gap that they're going to end up either extending or eating into. So, it's going to be fun to see what Max Verstappen is able to do. You know, he's he's definitely shown that he is the driver that's able to make a difference irrespective of what the package is, you know, uh, around him. So, uh, yeah. as long as, uh, you know, he, he keeps it on track, I think he's he's going to have at least a tension-free start to the race. <laughs> exactly. It's a funny thing with Max Verstappen. Whenever he has a bad start, he ends up just going phenomenally fast and ends up winning the race. So, Hopefully, that doesn't happen. Hopefully, he's able to challenge even with a good start as well. That, that's one thing we'll all be keeping a key eye on. But Verstappen last year, he was getting his elbows out a little bit with another team. That was Ferrari. Lindenwell well in the end. Sebastian Vettel pointed him in the back. But where are Ferrari? Are, are they in Formula 1.25 as we informally call them? Or are they even further back? Because they said that there are going to be big upgrades coming to Hungar Ring. All of a sudden, there was a very slight hope, if not the biggest, because we know that Ferrari are in deep trouble, that they can be fighting it out for, say, P3 at the best at times. 
didn't happen. Quite clearly, the strategy didn't pay off. The package exactly seemed to have the raw pace they expected. But Silverstone can be different. Silverstone is a lot faster. It's a lot more. It's a circuit where you need a lot more commitment. And maybe the error package, if they have improved anything, could come into picture now. Well, it could come into picture, although my my reading is that I could be completely wrong, is that Ferrari will actually struggle in the high-speed flowing corners, etc. Because, you know, it is it is their aero package that has sort of been a deficit. And of course, not to mention the time that they've also lost on their power unit. So, you know, John Elkin, uh, you know, publicly stating that, okay, we're going to have to wait till 2022 to win races. Hmm. Probably, um, you know, it's sort of... It's a very honest management approach, but it's also a way of just getting people to back off and let the team be and figure out their problems. Because let's also remember, not you know, no other team has as much national pressure to perform as Ferrari. So I'm pretty excited to see what becomes of them, you know, over the course of this season and next. But I see them struggling in uh, in Silverstone, and not just Ferrari. I would say that even for the Ferrari power teams. Absolutely. Again, we see the likes of Alfa Romeo struggling in the start of this season. Haas having a few of their issues as well. But that's for later on. Ferrari, they are one team that everyone gets behind. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We've seen a lot of that happening in the last decade. But we, we have seen though their drivers trying their best to maximise things. Now, there's a lot of pressure on Sebastian Vettel of sorts to kind of prove his worth and show that, yeah, you know, even though Ferrari have sacked me, I have still got it within me. That hasn't happened in the first few races that we've seen. But it is Leclerc who's come up and come up on top, in fact, and showed that, okay, regardless of how difficult this track, this car may be, I can still drag it to certain positions. So uh, how do you think that's going to play out in the end? Because Leclerc is good at this circuit. Ferrari strategy, that's, that's a bit of an iffy thing in the end. But we all, we've often seen him just pull the car all the way through, like we saw Fernando Alonso do it back in the day. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he, he has, you know, sort of... Seen as though he's been punching way about the package weight or the package of Ferrari that they've got. But, you know, when it comes to Sebastian Vettel, uh, he saved the day for Ferrari in Hungary, as we all know. That, you know, he was the one who said, no, I don't want to take the softs. Why don't you take the mediums? And Ferrari sort of opted for the mediums. And it just shows how, you know, uh, Charles's exuberance, of course, got him the softs. And that was a team decision that they took. But it was Vettel's experience that, you know, sort of helped uh, Ferrari to end up taking the medium tyres when they, they needed it to. So, personally speaking, you know, uh, you know, Vettel is proving in his own ways why he still can be a great uh, addition to any team lineup, not just, uh, you know, Ferrari. But at the same time, Ferrari are also proving that, you know, they, as, as, an, as an operation, they still yet to show that kind of... Uh, lethal uh, strategic advantage that you know Mercedes and Red Bull have been showing time and again. So all waits to see you know how they will eventually end up performing when uh, the going actually gets tighter for them. Because right now you know they're they're fighting in the midfield and we are going to see a different Charles Leclerc as well. Because let's remember he signed up for you know a four five year contract thinking he's going to be fighting at the front and now suddenly the first two years of his contract extension, okay, uh, he's, he, you know, his boss has turned around and publicly said that, hey, please get used to it because this is where we're going to end up racing, you know, till 2022. And of course, 2022 is still also a lot of hope. So we'll actually get to see, you know, how Charles is able to handle the lack of a fast car apart from just, you know, showing his talent. 
is he going to be able to show the maturity that you know a driver needs to show to still hold things together absolutely these are going to be the most challenging years for charles leclerc coming up because we've seen so many greats of the sport being thrown into midfield cars and that, to be very honest that's what ferrari gives for this year and that's where they struggle and that's where they get the best out of it again case in point fernando alonso 2008 just look at how he came back at ferrari we knew he had the talent we knew he had everything in the bag it was just that struggle at renault that those two years that didn't really work out but still regardless of all that he went in there and put in some really phenomenal performances and one person who was actually quite good in this phase when alonso was in renault was sebastian vettel and now vettel again being linked to the ping mercedes being linked to aston martin as it will be called next year lots of things are happening for aston martin that when we go down into the so there's the protest in firstly there's the case with vettel who stays who doesn't i i think a good thing would be that we begin with the protest that renault have gone for them because it's happening again you call them salt you call them butter whatever you may but renault are taking this thing very seriously and you know somewhere down the line you think they've got a point because formula 1 constructors originally expect them to go in get their own designs get a great deal of innovation in but we've seen copying is something structured in the very ethos of formula 1 because quite simply you can i mean you know ross brown has turned around and made a statement saying you know we often used to have a menu list of items for our photographers and go tell them please get these pictures for us and it's been like this uh, you know forever since like you said in in formula 1 but you know for racing point aston martin a uh, home race um, you know their factory is like literally a couple of hundred meters outside of the gates of silverston uh, personally speaking it's good if the protest uh, is clarified you know and and the, the news is that uh, we might just hear a, hear of a verdict before the the start of the official sessions uh, you know in, in silverston uh, but uh, what actually matters uh, you know is is the fact that Uh, as racing point and you know we know that their whole design philosophy etc it's yet to be proven that it's illegal right yeah. but uh, racing point inherently would be a little disappointed that despite the the package advantage the pace advantage they yet to score a podium in in 2020 mm. and uh, you know uh, that to me is something that they will hopefully try and overcome in uh, you know in the next two races in silverstone and uh, you know what better time than to use your home race to announce a four times world champion joining your team so maybe that could also be in the works absolutely master martin coming into the grid next year people are saying all sorts of things that battle could come in again a big question about who will go out that that's that's a topic to discuss for some other day but something could happen with sebastian vettel come the following week again contractual disputes with sergio perez apparently The date in mind is the 31st of July, which I'll be honest is only one day after we're recording this one. So by the time you watch this, something could be happening uh, in terms of Sebastian Vettel and his Aston Martin contract as well. But that, that's for later on. We never know how that yeah. will play out. Yeah, But and today, today is when the media sessions are already happening at the circuit in the next few hours. So you never know. Exactly, you never know what what bombshell they may drop in the end. But let's move back down to the British drivers because they quite clearly. are uh, diminishing in number from back in the day you you know uk of course is pretty much the home of formula 1 that's where 7 out of 10 teams are based that's where the headquarters of the sport are and back in the day back in the 80s and 90s we used to have a lot more british drivers coming in and competing purely because of the fact that the costs were much lower so you could actually get your own team sneak in some money into the team and get your own car on the grid but 
No, I think there are only what? There's Albon, who's, who's partly British now. There's Lewis Hamilton, there's George Russell, and there's Lando Norris. And to be honest with you, these four guys, they may not be in the top teams, but there is some sort of a prospect that they could have a very good weekend. Oh, yes. You know, Ale- you know Alexander Albon, um, uh, everyone's, you know, the knives are out, given how, you know, how Red Bull usually operate, how Helmut Marko usually operates. And, uh, you know, uh, it will be interesting to see if and how close he is able to run alongside Max Verstappen. You know, Red Bull still haven't found a solution to their second driver problem. That's what I would, you know, keep referring mm. to it as. Uh, although I think Albin's, uh, you know, honest and very friendly approach and attitude sort of makes it easier uh, for him to be a little more likable, I would say. And, uh, uh, you know, he's he's been feisty in his uh, wheel-to-wheel battles, which is at least something that I'm sure, you know, Red Bull Racing appreciate the most. He's been unlucky, as, you know, we've known, you know, in the first race in Austria, we all know what happened between him and Lewis Hamilton. Uh, right? And... Uh, uh, I would love to see what Albin is able to do. Uh, as far as you know, it comes to George Russell, uh, you know, he's been very honest about how Williams may still uh, you know, bring up the back of the grid come Silverstone. But uh, it will be interesting to see how close can he get to Q2 or if he can get to Q2 again. Because he's now realized uh, you know, that qualifying is where he can still end up showing his talent, his might. Because that's when it's probably a little more equal between, you know, the, his nearby rivals, you know, at Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri and Haas and the likes. And, you know, given the fact that he's going to end up racing at Williams for yet another season, yeah. qualifying is probably his best chance to keep telling, you know, keep reminding the world of Formula One what a fantastic talent he is. No, but sp- speaking of George Russell, it's, it's been a bit of a tricky time for him. Now, when you think that he's going to have three developmental years at Williams, you normally expect, okay, well, that's fantastic. A team like Williams, a lot of heritage, a lot of history, lots of good people working there. So they can get him acclimatized, they can get him used to Formula One. And if he's fighting in the midfield, that's when you learn the most. You've seen Charles Leclerc do that sort of thing only a couple of years ago. But the problem is, and that's one thing I've noticed in the last couple of races, because Russell hasn't exactly been involved in any sort of race condition, when he actually gets side-by-side, side, when he actually gets racing, as, as, as it happened with Magnussen in the Austrian Grand Prix, you can't often see him a bit out of touch. Because in that Williams car, it's, it's such a struggling machine that you learn on one side to drag a terrible car to the top. But on the other hand, you're not getting any sort of racing action. And for Russell to improve, I guess at the same time, need Williams to improve as well. Absolutely. That's a, that's a very good observation. Uh, you know, uh, you can't be a couple of seconds off the pace and then still be expecting to, you know, keep uh, honing your wheel-to-wheel racing, uh, you know, uh, racing talents. But, uh, you know, I'm also not too surprised uh, by, or I would say I've actually been very surprised with uh, Nicholas Latifi. He's not as far off the pace as yeah. George Russell. And, you know, just because Latifi comes from, uh, you know, comes with the lineage that he does to Formula One, it's easy to just write him off and say, oh, yet another paid driver. But he's been pretty impressive in the first couple of, uh, you know, uh, first three races as well. So I'm excited to see what uh, could be the gap between the two, uh, you know, Williams drivers, uh, you know, over the next uh, few races come qualifying. Exactly. Latifi has been a bit exciting. Again, it's all about translating that to the race. Easier said than done, of course. But we are seeing sparks of brilliance from him as well. But let's come to last lap Lando. That's 
Uh, he's the man that everyone wants to speak about. And he's the man in the spotlight for everyone. How does it go about? We, we discussed that McLaren, maybe this could be a circuit where they may be decent because Hungary, lots of slow corners, that's where they struggle. Austria, quick corners, that's where they were quite quick. Again, who knows what can happen at Silverstone. We're still very unsure of the betting order. But what, what, what do you expect in store for him? Because he, he's a rather feisty driver as well in the end. He is. And, you know, we, we love... Uh... Lando Norris and his scenario seven shouting radio, uh, you know, from his uh, from his pit wall time and again, and uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure uh, Lando will be gunning to sort of get back into the points, uh, you know, after an off race in Hungary. Also, you know, Carlos Sainz uh, has been uh, finishing in the points in the, in Silverstone each time he's actually finished a race out here, and he's been classified as a finisher. So, you know, the battle between the McLaren drivers will be yet another one to, you know, enjoy. And, you know, maybe Carlos is just telling himself uh, that I may not have a fast car next year. So, let me make the most of what I have this year with McLaren, you know. So, yeah. it's, 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 it's an exciting prospect, you know. It's, despite Mercedes literally seeming like they're going to run away with everything, there are still these individual stories between teams, between drivers, between nationalities that, that still make Formula One exciting. And that's what uh, you and I keep uh, dissecting on the Pits to Podium uh, show. So I absolutely appreciate this, Samuel. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this, Kunal. Thank you so much, folks, for watching this video and also for listening to this on the Inside Line F1 podcast. We hope you had a good time. And if you did, just let us know down in the comments what are your predictions for the Silverstone Grand Prix. We are going to be doing quite a few things involving podium predictions right here in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned with that and let us know what's going to be your top three in the end. Once again, thank you so much for watching. Hope you have a good weekend with the Silverstone GP coming on as well. And see you for another video. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. is the ultimate bacon cheeseburger that puts all other cheeseburgers to cheeseburger shame. And now we're bringing that same big bacon energy to shake up and wake up your breakfast with the Breakfast Baconator. Stacked with a fresh cracked egg, sausage, cheese, and bacon. And right now, you can get a free Breakfast Baconator with purchase in the Wendy's app. So get to Wendy's and always be Baconating. We got you. Offer available at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time during breakfast hours only. Offer must be redeemed via the app. Account registration required.